Hey friend, welcome back to the broadcast. We will jump right into our Bible study in the book of John chapter 21. Find your place there with me as well. John chapter 21. If our thought, our theme, the thrust of our study this week does for you anything near what it did for me, it will help all of us become a little bit more concerned about a lost world. It might bring into the forefront of our mind, to the top of our mind, the worldwide need for the gospel in an even greater way. My prayer, my hope is that it does that for you as well. This is a message that the Lord allowed me to formulate over the past really multiple weeks, but he wouldn't let me put it on paper for some reason. I would work on it and work on little pieces of it, but it never came together until very recently. And now I'm privileged to share it with you as well. John chapter 21, would you find your place there? For context's sake, I'm going to read the first seven, six and a half verses or so aloud. Listen to John 21 and verse number one says this, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth, and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. The thought, the theme, we'll get to in just a few moments. We began with a little bit of introduction yesterday. We talked about the fact that this was one of the last appearances of Jesus Christ robed in humanity in the Gospels. We talked about the fact that it was a limited attendance. There were only about seven disciples there in this account, but the stage is now set. The participants have their lines, but what sort of scene do we enter here? Look at verse number three. We just just read it, but recall, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. Now, he's trying to lead them. You could make the case, I believe rightly so, he's leading these disciples astray. Have they been called to be fishermen? No, they've been called to be fishers of men, to reach people with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But now we see here a lacking attitude of these disciples. Think about it. These disciples, rightly so in our minds, are distressed. They are depressed. They're despondent, disappointed with the fact that Jesus died. And even though they saw an empty grave, I don't know if they're fully convinced that he's alive, and therefore they are all of those things and distracted. You say, how can this be? 
They've heard that the Savior has risen. In John chapter 20, just one chapter ago, they had heard from the women how that the tomb was empty. Some of them have even seen it with their own eyes. They know he, meaning Jesus, he promised to come out of the tomb. They know he's powerful enough to. They've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead for crying out loud. I mean, come on. How can they be so forgetful? And yet still they turn back, still they turn away, still they reject their commission, still they disregard their calling. Why? How? Well, Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 might give us a clue. The Bible says there, Wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Oh my, how often we forget him. How quickly you and I, me, how quickly we turn back to our old ways. We so soon give in to the old man. In the year 1755, that was a while ago, wasn't it? 1755, at the age of 20, a young man named Robert Robinson came to Christ under the preaching of the leather-lunged man of God named George Whitfield. During his life and ministry, Robert Robinson pastored a Baptist congregation as large as 1,000 people. He also penned the beautiful words we know as, Come thou fount, come thou fount of every blessing. For over 30 years, he served God, but seemed to almost prophetically follow those words he wrote as a young man, that one of those verses of Come Thou Fount says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You see, he wrote that song when he was only 23, three years after his conversion, three years after heeding the call to take Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. But years later, some 30 years later, he turned away from Christ and spoil and wasted the blessings that he had been given. History tells us that while traveling by horse-drawn carriage towards the end of his life, think of uh, an old-fashioned taxi, uh, miserable and discontented because he had fallen into sin, a young lady was also in that horse-drawn vehicle at the same time, going to quite possibly the same destination, and to pass the time she began to sing that old hymn. This song has such beautiful words. The first verse says, Come thou fount. Think about this young lady with a lilting voice saying, Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. But there's also a verse towards the end that says this, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. 
And as he listened to that young lady sing, a tear began to well up in his eye. And as she just passed the time singing there, she came to the conclusion. She turned to that old man sitting on the other side of the carriage and said, What do you think of that song, sir? I don't know if she was fishing for a compliment or genuinely curious, but his startling reply was this, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them, if I could feel now as I felt then. Friend, this is not the theme or the thought for this week, but it bears repeating. If you have a lacking attitude, if you've left your first love, if you don't have the relationship, or should I say the fellowship with God that you should, can I tell you it's not a failure on his side of the equation? We see in verse 3, a lacking attitude, but also a losing attempt John chapter 21 and verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. I wonder if they thought they were out of practice. I wonder if they think they've lost their touch at this point. They probably consider themselves failures. They're probably already feeling the guilt of abandoning their calling to be fishers of men, but they're not going to quite give up yet. The morning light is coming up. Understand, friend, when you're out of the will of God, you will not succeed in the long run. You could run as long as you'd like. You can make your own plans. You can set your own goals. You can chart your own course. But like the prodigal son, your work will ring hollow. Luke 15, 11, And he said, a certain man, this is Jesus giving a parable, had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Verse 13 of Luke 15, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. You know, often famines in our spiritual life are an opportunity for you and me to come to ourselves like the prodigal did in the swine pen, in the pig pen. In verse 17 of Luke 15, he came to himself and realized, I made a major mistake. The disciples maybe, just maybe, are starting to learn that lesson. But here in the book of John, chapter 21, look at verse number 4. The Bible tells us that the light arises. Look at verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The light arises and illuminates the Lord's arrival. With the dawning of the sun, the bright and morning star shows up. That morning sun illuminates the sun, a figure standing on shore. If you think about it, the last noteworthy time a morning sun had come up, they found an empty tomb here in the book of John, but this time the beach wasn't empty because we see in verse 4, the Lord's arrival, often our hope, the one 
one Isaiah spoke of in the book that bears his name, chapter 9 and verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7 continues of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. You know, just like the scribes, just like the Pharisees, just like these disciples, and just like you and me, often God attends to us and we don't even realize it. We're getting closer to the theme. We're getting closer to the thought, but you're going to have to join us as we begin our midweek broadcast tomorrow. Please, please make plans to listen in. We're getting ever so close to the cusp of sharing the theme that God has for us. It's impacted my life, and I pray it will as you as well. Please, I pray that you have a great day for His glory. Thank you so much for being a part of today's broadcast, but join us throughout the week. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample packet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 188, Bloomington, Illinois, 61702. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him. <music>